how did these headlines get? Oh man, we live in a post fact world, Brent. Yep, and and to be fair, it was some crappy company that I've never heard of that does like crypto news. So stick to the reasonable sources here, everybody. Facebook and Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're super reasonable. Definitely use them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flagship Friday. The flagship episodes where we discuss all the news, current events, and goings on in the crypto community in the previous week. So, Kareem, how are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great, Brent. How are you feeling today? Uh, still getting up a little early. It's a little bit rough for Flagship Friday, but but I'm glad I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're awake. I'm glad you didn't stay up too late watching everything to do with uh, American politics. <laughs> no, trying to say on those healthy habits I've, I've been reading that getting enough sleep is like super important for the brain so trying to sleep more we just did an entire sleep episode on the ancestral mind podcast i just released it oh interesting that sounds like a setup but i actually did not know that <laughs> no i i didn't i it was not intentional so anyway the, uh the crypto basic podcast not the ancestral mind podcast was founded to give the crypto community a place to learn about their favorite projects from a perspective that doesn't require technical knowledge or any deep understanding of mathematics we always keep it basic so today is uh friday march 1st and it's uh, our flagship number 60. Note from the editor, it's actually number 61, but he hasn't gotten enough sleep. So we've had 61 Fridays in a row without missing a single one, Kareem. Wow. Yeah. Lots of flagship Fridays. So that's impressive. I'm proud of us. <laughs> As promised, we released two episodes extra this week. We did. We did a substratum delisting roundtable. We had Brian and William back on the show. They had some great sound clips of Justin saying things that he didn't that he says he didn't say. So he would say we didn't say that, and then they would play the sound clip, and it would be him <laughs> saying it. It was amazing. And uh, and then we did an interview on Wednesday with Luke Mulks from Brave. He's the director of business development there. We did that episode interview with him on like Friday last week. So. He he neglected to give us the scoop on that uh, big partnership that they announced this week. So what a jerk! <laughs> By the way, I gotta say I do love the modern age, Brent. That like, I love that stuff where there's tweets or videos or Reddit posts out there that if you try to con- like if you try to lie about what you said and did, you better hope it didn't happen online because copy paste. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Long live uh, transparency, son. Yep. Radical transparency. That's what we're all about in crypto. Uh, I don't know what we have coming up yet. Haven't decided what uh, next week's episode is going to be, but stay tuned. Uh, we'll talk about it in Discord and that kind of thing. All right. All right. Kareem, before we go forward, I do have to take a second to talk about Token Talks, the Token Talks podcast. That's right. I'm talking about talks on a podcast about a podcast. Anyway, Token Talks podcast, they are another podcast they're at wing.vc slash podcast uh they are hosted by zachary dewitt they do a lot of different content than us but still from the realm of having their listeners interests at heart so they are part of a venture capital firm that invests in companies but they their podcast is very specifically about information it's a little bit more technical a little bit more 
about the interviews and what they do is post that information, link everything and let you make your own decisions on that kind of thing. So if you're interested in some more crypto content, that's good. Check them out. Obviously, as we said before, this is a sponsored shout out. We were being compensated for this, so that's important to know. Always know the biases of where you're getting your information, but understand that we did look into this before we accepted them as a sponsor and we're happy to have them on board. So let them know Crypto Basics sent you so that way they know that their sponsorship worked out. And otherwise, let's get back to Flagship Friday. All right. So while I was doing some looking for stories, there are these stories that like, they're nice to hear and I want to talk about them. But then I look at them and I'm thinking, ah, there's not really all that much I can say. Like the headline covers it. The headline isn't wrong. And, uh, the, you know, it's just like a quick, it's a quick talk. So make a little I think upbeat. We can, yeah. We're just do a rapid fire section on, on Friday flagships. I mean, it's going to be a little different than the rapid fire section from the one ones but any of those little stories that I just see, I'm going to throw them in there. Might have no rapid fire. Might have a lot of rapid fire stories. So Brent, would it be fair and to say that in the coffee shop that is crypto basic, we're expanding our selection from latte stories and cappuccino stories to also including espresso options for when you're on the go. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have espresso <laughs> options. Obviously, only one of us is Americano, and the, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, well, I, because yeah, I, I'm like you, but with water, like more water, because I have more body mass. Ah, okay, so. Why don't you take us then to this idea? So the idea here is that you're going to quickly cover some of these stories the same way we do the rapid fire during yeah. our one-on-ones, right? Actually, do me a favor. Do you have a timer that you can hit me with Ooh. where if I go over 30 seconds on one of these that it buzzes me? Okay. And then if I have anything to say, I'll pause the timer because no, no, that'll make like me feel it. powerful. No, 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 no. This is a great idea. All right. Ready? <laughs> and your stopwatch started now. The NASDAQ has the BTC and ETH indices that are now live. We talked about those last week, uh, and they're out there. They're working. I actually didn't know they weren't working last week, so I figured I'd point that out. Pause. You want to let the audience know what an indice is? (laughs) It's multiple indexes. So it's just they're tracking the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum. So Uh, uh, we went into that more last week, basically what it was, where they're getting the price. But it's not like an index fund or anything. They're just specifically tracking uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, and it joins thousands of other trackers. Box so it's not that ticking. super special. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lap. Next rapid fire story. All right. Elon Musk said, whoever owns the early BTC deserves a Nobel Prize in delayed gratification. So... You know, you think Elon Musk is super bullish on Bitcoin and he's all excited about it. And of course, Bitcoin communities are tweeting this, going nuts. They're like, I'm good, I'm good. Well, let me just remind everybody that he owns probably less Bitcoin than you do. He owns a total of 0.25 Bitcoin and that's it. He doesn't have like all coins or anything like that. 30 seconds that he got from a friend, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Mm. he didn't buy it. All right. (laughs) All right, so, next rapid fire story. Cryptopia has released its final estimates for the, the hack that happened and is still happening or whatever's going on there. And they estimate that the total that was gotten away with was 9.4% of its total assets. Now, they didn't say how much that is. I mean, we've heard all kinds of numbers in the multi millions of dollars that, that, that are getting to this, but if it's only 9.4%, 
maybe there's a chance people get their money back. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But so you're saying your there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. All right. Next story. Uh, there was a sweet bull market. Bitcoin rose above 4,000 and it's gone. Stop. Nine seconds. That's all that story gets. That's not a story. Next story. <laughs> this one this one was tilting. Basic Attention Token announces a partnership with the TAP Network. Gotta that was that. not announced on our show. It was like the day after. I'm, I'm like, come on, man. I could have told him like I wouldn't say anything until whatever. But anyway, the uh, the TAP Network is they have like gift cards and you can sign up with like hotels and like all this stuff. So basically a real easy way to spend your basic attention token that you get while looking at ads and that kind of thing. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right, Brent. I think that was a success. You're pretty good. You snuck one non-story in there, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All these little tidbits are quite interesting. So Brent, this next story, I think you're going to want to go into a little bit more depth though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, you want to talk talk to us about Coinomi? Coinomi. So the Coinomi wallet is a unified wallet. It has a bunch of different assets that you can hold on there. A guy named Warith Al Mawali came forward with claims that his entire life savings was lost on Coinomi. And he apparently wasn't even the only Reddit user coming forward and saying this. There were at least three other posts of people saying that they thought they got hacked or their money was taken or something. Coinomi is just like, I, I think I already said this, but I did. Their wallet. But the, my favorite part is that all this is going on and their tagline on their website is your trusted blockchain interface. <laughs> so you trust them. This guy actually made a website for all of his proofs, screenshots, research, and findings. It's available in the show notes. You can click on it. It is massive. You can really go down the rabbit hole on this one. Uh, But the end result is that they were sharing your passphrase with a third party in, he claims, plain text. They claim something else. They claim that it was encapsulated inside an HTTPS request. But I guess it was still plain text while encapsulated in there to spell check it. So for whatever reason, they were spell checking the seed recovery phrases and somebody figured out that's what they were doing and went ahead and started recovering the wallets themselves and stealing the money. So, um, yeah, this guy, he says that it can only be exploited by whoever created that system or whoever's getting it on the back end, which is Google. So it looks like the most likely scenario is that this is a Google employee that happened to have access to this uh, or something of, to, of that nature. Yeah. Um, Coinomi did release a response. They said it was only on their desktop wallet, but that it also wasn't a bug in their code. <laughs> it was a plug-in issue. Oh, my God. Issue. Oh, my yeah, God. They- yeah, but like... <laughs> I mean, I guess it's technically right. It's not the code, but... You know, it's the thing you adopted in your code. It's the same shit, you know, like the, yeah. it's your fault based on the screenshot of the emails back and forth. They did actually admit, yeah, this is a problem. They even told this guy he was eligible for a bounty for figuring it out, but they never told him how much the bounty was. And he was kind of a dick. So they didn't end up giving it to him and they haven't found any way to get his crypto back or anything like that. So. What they did say is, oh, don't worry, we blacklisted all those funds, so they'll never be able to go to an exchange. Yeah, okay. 
there's definitely a bunch of little shitty exchanges that don't care where the coins are coming from. Uh, and they're not going to share their KYC if they even have KYC and he can use a decentralized exchange. Like there's a million different ways that this uh, bad actor can get rid of that money, even if they're blacklisted. So this guy, this Wareth guy, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right. I'm sorry, Wareth or Wareth or what, however I'm supposed to pronounce that. I'm bad at names. He did everything right. Like he ran his wallets in an environment on his computer. That was a virtual machine. He used anti malware, antivirus, and everything like he did he went above and beyond even what we recommend as security and he was still hit by this thing apparently it was localized to when you recover your wallet so when you if you need to use your seed recovery phrase like like on ledger or anything like that imagine the one time you did that you gave it away to somebody else guess what Kareem? dude the code on all this wasn't open source ah so imagine that there's no community to audit your code and you made a mistake. I'm sorry. You made a mistake in adopting a plugin that was in your code that really wasn't your fault. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of withholding judgment from Coinomi while I was reading their response. It made a bunch of sense until I got to this point, because if any of this is true, they better have more than what they were just saying. And they didn't provide any proof. They said that they think this guy stole his own funds. And that they think he found the bug and didn't like the size of the bounty. So he stole his own funds in an attempt to get them to like pay more to him than the size of the bounty or whatever. Uh, They also mentioned that he was holding them ransom and they released the email exchange. He was literally like, fix this or I'm going to tell everybody that this is a problem. And they kept like stalling and going back and forth and doing these things. And they also mentioned this uh, a guy named Luke Childs and a guy named Jonathan Sterling for going public with their findings against Coinomi before telling the dev team about them, which is super irresponsible. And I'm just thinking to myself, what? So your argument is that if there's a problem, you better tell us before you go to the public so that like we can fix it and then you don't go to the public and it's irresponsible for him not to do that. <laughs> no, of course this is, uh, it's preposterous the way they're handling it. First of all, in this specific case, I would argue that it's important to go to the public so that nobody tries to recover their phrase. They still haven't fixed the issue on top of that. I mean, and no, as I think far they as fixed it. They fixed it now. Right, right. Yeah, I'm now. assuming. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It just seems a little. Okay. Like if you were in his shoes with that information, I feel like that's how most people would respond. Most people would say, get this fixed, re- reimburse me, whatever. I understand why this is coming off as blackmail, but I feel like a lot of people in that position would say that. Is it because this is the same guy that got his funds stolen, right, Brent? Yeah, he lost seventy thousand dollars and he did everything right. So he went to them, he's like, what the hell? Like get my money and help me get my money or whatever. And they were basically like, not our problem anymore. It's not in like we didn't do this. So that's insane to me. We blacklisted the funds. They I really don't know how much money not- they have, but how is the decision here not to like I mean, this is $70,000 is less money than you would spend, I'm sure, on a settlement or on an expensive case or anything like that. Like, you guys are completely at fault. This guy did nothing wrong except use your interface, which you clumsily link to a third party. And you're, I mean, no, nah, man, this is, yeah, they're going to get crushed. Admittedly, I, if you read the chat logs, they release them. I think they released them thinking this is going to vindicate us because he is he is a dick to them. Like he is not nice yeah. and that's his fault. He might've actually been able to get help here. If he was not a jerk, that doesn't mean they shouldn't have helped him. But like, you know, the, 
I mean, whenever you're dealing with these like reps, how they end up presenting this to their boss matters. So if you're nicer to them uh, along the way, then you're more likely to get help, right? Like you yeah, be firm, but, but fair. Okay, Brian. So, you know, even since long before this started, we started this podcast, I'm one of the biggest advocates of being diplomatic. Um, yes. And, and I agree with you hundred percent that it's more productive, but for crying out loud, think about like the fact that a totally, an institution that you're paying or a group that you're paying completely for security through no fault of your own costs you your life savings. We're talking about $70,000. I have no idea what this guy's financial situation is. I don't know if he's got kids, if he's got a wife. I don't know if he's got debt. I have no idea what this means to him. It could be so devastating that the onus of emotional restraint here is not on him, even though I agree that it would be more productive. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I 100% they need to respond to this properly and they needed to actually help him. They were being very standoffish and they were they asked him, they said he needed to give them know your customer information, which is not a requirement of their wallet. And he needed to do a video chat with them before they would even discuss anything he's like what are you talking about i'm not going to do a video chat with you or do like a know your customer are you insane i don't want i don't want people knowing i have this much money like it was a huge deal they are standing by so far they're baseless as far as i can tell they really they gave no proof baseless accusation that he stole his own money and is trying to exploit them so and they're they keep that calling part him a doesn't black make sense and, because it wouldn't the timeline easily prove that like you said that their argument is that he decided to take this line um, of action after he was dissatisfied with the bounty. So it seems to me that it would be extremely easy to prove whether or not these two parties discussed the bounty at all before this guy made the claims. But you well, could just possible, go check the public. blockchain. What? It's possible it's public. They, they may have like a bounty posted somewhere that says if you find a bug, it's like two grand or whatever. So he found a bug, stole his own funds, and then started by... I mean, I guess if that's, if that's actually I, what happened, they're going to have a case here, but they better be able to prove it. Yeah, they better be able to prove that. Like there is no... You can't say something like that and say like, this guy is scamming us. Oh, also these other people who found problems with our code before are also pieces of crap like they keep saying these guys are irresponsible they cause harm to the community and stuff like that by releasing the information so basically my opinion now on coinomi is they're complete shit i would not touch them with a 10-foot pole regardless of whether this guy stole his own funds or not they released that accusation without having anything to back it up and everything else they did wrong so your funds are not safe there if you're using coinomi get off of it the last thing I want to ask, just to make sure that I understand this and properly, is the only people that would have access to the um, to the hack or essentially the weakness in the code, which is this is running through a spell check that is running through a Google server, some kind of third party system to be able to do a spell check. So the idea is somebody who had access to that like specific client uh, log of information would be able to see what's coming in and then put that into a recovery phrase and just try them out. So if this guy stole his own funds and he was the only user, their story would check out because there's no other instances of somebody exploiting that code. But if in fact there are two or three or four or five people, there are other. So they say those are not verified. They mention that oh. in their post. They say he's the only one, but the, there's other people on Reddit that he linked to in his post. And he's like, these people are also having problems. And right. He was only a Redditor for three days. So it was yeah. like, you know, that was a little shady. They weren't. They were real. They're, they've yeah. been around longer. So 
That's in, in my opinion, it's, it passes a sniff test. Either way, there is a hundred percent a bug that was possible to exploit, and the and Coinomi fixed it and yelled at the people who re- yelled at the guy for releasing it rather than telling them. He basically was saying like, "I'm not telling you what your bug is. Like, you need to fix this, or else I'm I'm going to the uh, I'm going to the public." And uh, and they he gave him like twelve hours or whatever. Yeah. Okay. That, th- those are all details that are definitely relevant. I could see how trying to deal that as a you're not really dealing with a customer that's trying to do whatever they can to get their funds back. You know, yeah, he didn't start that way, but he he got that way pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, originally, he was just trying to get his money back. I, I, the whole chat log is there. It was released. You can check that. You can check their response. You can check his breakdown of the situation. It's all out there on the interwebs and in our show notes. Uh, and again, I, whether or not he stole his own funds, I didn't know that they were aggressive towards previous people who had come out and found bugs in their wallet. Everybody else, when somebody finds a bug in their code, they're like, thank you. Not everybody else. Not everybody else. Yeah, I guess that's true. Not everybody else. But yeah, yeah, the, the, the good companies. And or maybe they could just make their fucking software open source. How hard is that? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the, if we open source it, then maybe more people will have eyes on it and we won't have so many problems. Yeah. And if you open source it, you might have to back up a claim that you're the most trusted blockchain <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. So that is the Coinomi situation. We're done there. Kareem, it looks like you want to do a little gamble in here. Gamble, you, uh, gamble. Yeah, you found a money laundering case in Japan involving crypto. But you want to? You want me to like set the over under about what the money laundering is here? Nah, or? you know I'm just putting over under in the outline. Here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna give you a little quick update. This is like a mini blitz story, mini rapid fire, <laughs> except it's a single shot. Pew! Rapid cannon. <laughs> so rapid cannon story over under. I'm gonna give you some information about cryptocurrency crimes in Japan as they relate to money laundering, and then I want to ask you how you think that fits into the bigger picture. So here's the quick story. All right. There was a report in December of last year that said um, in the first nine months of 2018, we had about or Japan had about 6000 money laundering cases. There were another 1000 reported to regulators throughout the year. Long story short, in 2018, last year, there were 7096 cases slash investigations related to money laundering and cryptocurrency. Okay. Now, All right. that was a big story because the year before Brent, there were only 669 cases. So that means oh, that damn. there was like a tenfold increase in the amount of cryptocurrency related money laundering cases. Uh, so that is pretty big uh, and it's exponential growth. And if we see a pattern like that, then maybe we haven't really seen you. I mean, we think we've seen stories about money laundering and cryptocurrency, but if this growth rate continues, then you're going to see some real crackdown, I think. But here's the question for you, Brentimus Philbimus. What percentage of Japan's money laundering cases in 2018 do you think that the 7,096 cryptocurrency money laundering cases represent? Ooh, okay, so the, the way I'm going to come up with this number is we... On the last show, we talked about maybe five percent of most populations uh, own any any cryptocurrency at all. So for sure, the max number that it can be is five percent. Even though it's ten, even though it's ten x, like that, it can't be that much. So, but but Brent, hold on a second. I want to I want to time out because I want to challenge the assumptions you're going to use here. You go. You might be going in the right direction, but 
since we're talking about a specific industry or a specific crime, which is the crime of money laundering, I would assume that the the people who are represented as cryptocurrency owners, for example, is just a different ratio. That was looking at general populations. Yeah, it could be disproportionate, but I don't think that there's any disproportionation for <laughs> the general population. I don't know. Yeah, that's totally a word. I just made it up. No, no, no. I like it. I know what like you in meant. In theory, the same percentage of the U.S. population and Japan's population should be money laundering unless there's some form of money laundering that's super easy to do in Japan or some incentive that makes it more enticing to do in Japan. So so I'm assuming that the that the percentages are close. I'm coming up with a made-up number here. Like, this, I know, I'm just I know, telling I know. you where I'm coming up with it. I have one last question. Before you go, one last question. Uh, my point would be the people who money launder probably frequent casinos more than the general population. Actually, maybe not even. You're probably right. No, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It has know. to be higher. All right, so go ahead, come up with your number. No more. So, so I, so my my thought process is five percent would be like the max, super super max. But since I don't think that it's going to be like equate to one hundred percent of crypto users, one hundred percent of that, my over under would probably be like half a percent, and I don't know which side of that I'd be confident taking. Oh, so you would set the over under at half a percent. Brent, I think that's a very good over-under because the answer is 1.6%. So you weren't too far off. Uh, your logic was sound and tight. Your guess was Thank you. low. Thank you. <laughs> so there were 417,465 money laundering cases in Japan last year. Out of those 417,000 cases, 7,000 of them were cryptocurrency related. That means that if we experienced another 10 times growth, then we would get into the uh, like 10% or 8% realm. But anyway, just a quick reference point there. Uh, On the one hand, it's growing rapidly. On the other hand, it's still a very small portion of money laundering problems. (laughs) I just just looked at the outline. I didn't even drop it down. (laughs) We started using this thing called Notion to do our uh, podcast outlines, which lets you put things under a drop down menu. So the drop down menu for this one has the over under thing and then it's a spoiler. And then if I click on spoiler, there's another thing that says don't peek. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty good. All right. Thanks, buddy. So and now you play a game with me, I heard. Kareem, what I have for you is a bullish or bullshit segment. Are you ready? I am ready. Can I peek? No, no we just went over that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The um, Epic Games, which are the, the the title doesn't have this, but I'm going to just tell you who they are. Yeah, Epic yeah, yeah. Games owns Fortnite. Okay. Um, or create or created Fortnite. Uh, Epic Games CEO shows support for EOS on Twitter. Oh, well, okay. So show support is pretty broad. I'm looking at Fortnite, Fortnite using Twitter. I mean, that, that part checks out. Do they support EOS? I mean, I guess EOS goes pretty heavily on advertising. It wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't shock me that EOS was like, oh, bro, everybody plays Fortnite, you know, advertised or something. <laughs> and then they made some kind of link. Uh, but show support. That's pretty That's pretty broad, Brent. Um, I'm going to say bullish from a tepid support. I, I haven't yeah. seen the tweet yet, so I don't really know what I'm judging. Right. So well, the, tweet, the tweet was just an article that said exactly that. Uh, you know, I, I took it from that. So you're right. Support is pretty broad and it is still completely bullshit. And wow. the reason we know is because if you check out the the image down there in the outline, which we'll have in our show notes here, Tim Sweeney, 
who is uh, one of the executives at um, at Epic Games said, who also was the one they were quoting for, or they were saying showed support for EOS. Said, "I know nothing about EOS. I was just asking a random question about a data storage requirement, and that seemed perfectly reasonable." <laughs> so. <laughs> but even though show support is pretty broad, this guy literally said, I don't know what EOS is. So if he didn't know what it was, he can't be showing support for it. Wow. It is bullshit, everybody. This is not not bullish, Epic not games. even a little bit. How did these headlines get? Oh, man. We live in a post-fact world, Brent. Yep. And, and to be fair, it was some crappy company that I've never heard of that does like crypto news. So... Stick to the reasonable sources here, everybody. Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're super reasonable. Definitely use them. All right, Brian. So it looks here like you want to make this an EOS themed episode. I will allow it. EOS your heart content away. Yeah. That's a scam. So <laughs> is that your official <laughs> EOS position? <laughs> no, that's Carlos having a position on EOS. I, I haven't taken one on EOS. I just don't like it. I don't think it's a scam. I mean, whatever they, they happen. Although... Before I even get into these stories, you know how they raised $4 billion? I heard something that I'm sure was out there if you did any research in EOS, but I didn't really care that much to go too deep into it. And it makes sense to me. I don't know if you remember the way their ICO was working, but basically they were giving away a certain amount of coins. Every once in a while. Yeah, so they're different prices, right? Yeah. Well, the accusation was, that, and I hadn't heard this before, that they didn't really raise $4 billion. What they were doing was recycling any of the Ethereum that they got towards the end of those uh, cycles so that it looked like they're raising more money than they were. Why would they so do that? So that maybe it would increase the buzz and that kind of thing, Ooh. which makes a little bit of sense because most ICOs get most of their funding in the first hour that they are uh, available to the public. Or at least they were at the time EOS was running their ICOs. Yeah, but nobody's really ran something like what EOS ran with that much marketing power and stuff, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed pretty baseless. It was just something that I had I thought right. about. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That could have happened. I don't know if it did, but right. it could have. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway, on to what did happen. <laughs> their GitHub has basically slowed to a crawl. And that is the opposite of what's supposed to happen when your coin goes live and now you're actually out there uh working in the world right uh they a company called longhash put out a report that shows that less than three percent of their total commits have happened in the last three months um and that's of a total of a year so three percent of their work over the course of a year has happened in the last three months they had four thousand commits uh over the course of the of the last year obviously a lot of that was involved in their ico and they have had uh, 114 in the last three months. To put that in perspective, it's not unique to EOS that the development has slowed a little bit. Ethereum is at about a 20% ratio and 25% is like the actual ratio, but still 20% is pretty close, right? And Tron is around a 15% ratio was the other two coins that this uh, that, that this article had pointed out. They did mention one argument. If they don't need to update their code as frequently and it's working, then the commits are going to go down. Makes sense. Yeah. So that brings us nicely into our next story. EOS has failed to build a Byzantine fault tolerant blacklist. So someone <laughs> stole $7 million. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Dude. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
I'm going to go over this kind of step by step and see what that means. Here's how it works. EOS, their value proposition is that like they have a governing body that kind of is going to make it so that if your stuff gets stolen, there's a way to get it back or whatever. So what they did in order to do that was they created a blacklist of bad actors that have stolen funds or had funds allocated to them or whatever. Uh, and that bad list is blacklist is put into place by a centralized authority called the ECAF. They were not democratically elected. The way the EOS blockchain works is they have 21 block producers that are elected via liquid democracy. These people were not. These were appointed at the beginning. They've since gotten rid of them, but they haven't put a new thing into place yet. So the the way the way they were working is still in existence. So basically, the I think these were the by the power vested in me people that we talked about on, on a few episodes ago. Uh, I guess that was months ago at this point, but. So the 21 block producers were getting annoyed at the the ECAF because they just kept dumping more and more blacklisted addresses on them, and they said it wasn't scalable. Uh, and they they've been looking for an alternate solution. They still haven't really implemented it. the The proposal is in the show notes. You can check that. Um, but this whole thing with the blacklisted addresses basically makes it so that the 21 block producers just don't take transactions from them, and they all have to be set up properly to do that. If only one of the block producers accepts the transactions from them, the whole thing crumbles. One of them. One that, of the 21, 21 block like, producers. Okay, so stating the obvious here, but Brent, wouldn't that be like the opposite of resiliency, which is one of the things that makes Bitcoin, for example, so strong? The yep. fact that like a huge portion of it can fail at any time and it continues to churn. You're saying that this is the opposite. That it it's is like Achilles, that. Achilles heel if it was his entire body. <laughs> Yep. So a new block producer got into the top 21. There's somebody called uh, games.eos and they had it set up wrong. So one of the blacklisted accounts was able to move $7 million worth of funds and spread it around for like 15 minutes, you know, like, and, and, and they basically got away with it because they didn't have it set up properly. So that one block producer obviously is no longer a block producer, but that whole thing was started because they got in there. So, there's no way to know that every block producer that gets in there is going to do this right. So they're trying to come up with a solution. The solution that they had on the table was that they're considering just nullifying all the keys of a blacklisted address. So I don't know how I, I don't even feel great about the fact that there is a whole list of blacklisted addresses that were decided on by a centralized authority. I don't know what their authority is going, which authority is going to decide on putting in the blacklist, even though the 21 block producers brought the cases to the centralized authority or whatever, like somebody's making this decision of, yeah, blacklist that don't blacklist that. And there's no appeal process. If you take away their keys, like they're lit, they're going to find a way to set it up so that once that address is bad, they're like, all right, poof, keys are gone. Money's gone forever. The kind of thing. But Brent, Brent, you are hoping I hope you are not implying that this setup where one person can just shut off someone's access to their entire funds, that power would never be abused by anyone. Never, no way. So <laughs> So it, it's entirely possible that there it's pseudo democratic, but look, EOS is just showing its cracks. <laughs> they haven't implemented a new constitution that addresses this and it's been over two months since the ecaf was just was gotten rid of apparently the ecaf still reports but they don't take anything from them so they they keep saying like don't do this don't do this and they keep ignoring them so uh 
I don't. I'm probably not going to follow that story too surreptitiously. I, I don't really care, but it just it it is kind of funny to see EOS. They they basically are a blockchain full of dApps because people develop on it, but they develop like gambling apps and stuff like that. Like they're I don't know nothing super useful appears to be coming out of it. I'll, I've never gotten a good vibe from the EOS crowd, you know, and even even when we've had opportunities. Um, I don't know. It just seems like it's a group of people that is really more focused on the marketing flashy side of crypto. More like, I don't know. Yeah. All anyway. right. Speaking of EOS and the marketing flashy side of crypto, Kareem, let's talk about <laughs> Justin Sun and Tron. No, 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 no. But it's also about EOS a little bit. A oh, little all right. Bit. Just a little bit. No, just a quick reference to EOS. So, Brent, there's a Chinese governmental agency that released... Uh, rankings. And what did oh, you I remember guess this it? one. You Their remember ratings it? are really shitty. Tron is number two. Number two. <laughs> Behind EOS, of course. Oh, come so, on. Beh- I'm not even kidding. It's number one is EOS, number two is Tron. So this article is trying to make an effort to like explain what's behind this uh, ranking system that the Chinese are coming up with. Because it is interesting, assuming that there's no foul play. Wait, I remember this one. It's one where they come up with these numbers that are just like completely meaningless, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the basic (laughs) basic technology, Tron gets a 96 and Ethereum gets a 73 and EOS gets 100, (laughs) 103. 103, so beyond 100, whatever. Is 100 the max? So they got better than the max? No, I don't know. There is no max. We don't know what the... It's more like an index or something. But here's... I have no idea how they came up with these numbers. Look at this. For example, they have a creativity uh, ranking. Ontology got a 7.2 for creativity, just getting completely crushed by everything. But Tron's like a 24. EOS is a 26. Uh, Like, all these things that do similar stuff and are copies of each other, basically. Tron, like, Tron, Eos, <laughs> and Ethereum are all similar uh, platforms attempting to do similar things, but Ontology is getting a seven. I mean, the rankings are all over the place. Justin Sons, of course, bragging about it. But anyway, the interesting big point, that Ontology ranks over Neo. It is interesting. And it can't that function without the Neo blockchain. <laughs> no, yeah, it can. It's its own blockchain. Oh, I thought they were. I, I thought they were on on Neo. I, no, no, no. Ontology. Bad. No, Ontology hopped off a while ago. Um, All right, anyway. whatever. We're idiots. Don't listen to me. <laughs> listen to Kareem. Uh, I'm definitely at, anyway. Listen, <laughs> the bottom line of this article, which I thought was kind of interesting, was that they were trying to defend. They were basically saying, well, maybe what's going on with uh, Tron and why and EOS and why they're getting such high rankings is that this institution, which is hold on, I want to give you the exact name. I don't want to just give you a, a random. Uh, oh, but it looks like I didn't write it. Oh, yeah. The Center for Information and Industry Development. That's the institution that's doing these rankings. They're focused on scalability. And it looks like they're looking at things like transactions per second. So, for example, Tron, if you look at their transactions per second compared to Ethereum or anything like that, they're massive. Brent, any guess as to why Tron might be able to have more transactions per second? I know you covered this before. Yeah. Well, it's completely centralized, right? Uh, Appropriate Vitalik quote here that ah. I wanted to add. When a blockchain project claims we can do 3,500 transactions per second because we have a different algorithm, what they really mean is we are a centralized pile of trash because we only have seven nodes running the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyway, and the other reason I wanted to put this with the EO stuff is because we did say, Brent, that we thought Tron had one out. And I wanted to talk about this real quick. Do you remember what we said was like the one way we could see Tron turn into not a pile of centralized trash? Yeah, they they raised enough money to create something out of nothing, basically. Exactly. That's the only thing we could see. And sure enough, the other thing that Tron seems to be doing good at is developing their decentralized application market. Now, I don't know the quality of those apps, but they spent $100 million on Tron Arcade and supposedly a $2 billion initiative to grow the debt market. So their own little incubator system that a lot of a lot of projects do. But I mean, Tron's really spending a lot of money on that, it seems like. So what kind of quality they are they going to attract? Where did they get $2 billion? They didn't raise that much, did they? Well, $2 billion initiative. Who knows? And if there's one thing Justin's son can do is raise money. So I don't doubt that he can come up with $2 billion. There's still enough people that'll be like, oh my God, Justin's son. So <laughs> anyway... Yeah, so his initiative is like, all right, I've rolled for initiative. I got I got a one, so I'm going to need you guys to fund my initiative. Give me money so I can raise it up. So maybe this initiative is a second ICO that's coming. Dude, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know. It's I feel like it's going to be interesting, though, because we've seen it kind of since this inception, since people were talking about it, we're like, this is total trash, but then it raises more money than anything. And now we're just sitting here watching it like develop. It, I feel like it, it'll all be interesting. If it branches off and somehow saves itself into a reasonable project, we're going to be like, wow. But also if it just implodes in a massive uh, hypernova of crypto, I'm like, which is totally plausible. It's also going to be majestic to watch. <laughs> this is just yeah. going to be, <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of great quotes from ourselves about <laughs> to, to like play on an episode. We'll just go and get everything we've bad we've ever said about Tron, and just have an hour long episode of just like da 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 da. And dude, but, um, this gives it credibility, you know, like the fact that there's still government institutions ranking it. And I mean, I don't know. Imagine when he goes to raise money from private Chinese industry and he can show those rankings. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to crush it. Yeah. Anyway, it is super interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. You're not going to see me buying any anytime soon. But <laughs> no, I'm going to watch from we'll the sidelines. We'll continue to report sure. on Justin and his antics and or his ability to create the new Internet. According to a future episode of Crypto Basic, he ends up running a cult. So we'll see if that prediction That's comes true. true. <laughs> I, I forgot about that in the future episode. Uh, I had one more story that I should have put in the probably the rapid fire part, but and I completely forgot about it until now. Ripple has been listed on Coinbase. Oh, yeah, XRP yeah, has yeah. been listed on, on Coinbase. That. And I just wanted to mention that we called that forever ago. We, we not only called it, but we also called when it How? wouldn't be listed, right? So I, maybe you weren't on that episode, but we, we basically said originally, we're like, look, guys, based on their terms and conditions, Ripple is not going to be ever listed on their platform. They require all these things, one of which was a centralized uh, or a decentralized architecture. And then we went on to say that if Ripple was ever going to be listed, there would be a very clear signal that they were no longer following those. They would either update their terms and conditions or they would do something else. Well, what they did was start adding other coins that were centralized. So Brave or Basic Attention Token is centralized on the Brave Ledger. Their their token is on the Ethereum blockchain, but 
they inside of the brave ecosystem they run that on their own ledger because they need the speed of the centralized piece we went over that in the 101 episode they added basic attention token forever ago so the the flagship after that we mentioned this to say look guys you know ripple will be added to coinbase now this is the signal that we were looking for like they have thrown out the window caring about whether it's centralized or decentralized so yeah ripple's probably going to be added sooner than later and I thought maybe we got that wrong because they hadn't been adding it for so long, but they just did. So they were just, just subtle about it. Horn. They were just subtle about it. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, no, yeah, yeah, definitely they, called this. And and you said exactly what you said that we should look for a signal or an indicator, and that's what happened. So you know, huge yeah, news. I'm not going to ever talk about the stuff that I get wrong, but w- you know, when we say <laughs> things like "Don't put your money on Cryptopia." And and somebody finds the quote and I get to read it out. I'm going to do that. And I'm also going to tell you, yeah, we told you so. For whatever reason, you thought that listing on Coinbase mattered. And that was your big reason whether you're going to invest in XRP or not. Like, we already gave you that insider trader information like months ago. But I, it doesn't get that same like Coinbase pump that everything used to get because <laughs> yeah, nothing it's does. not as special anymore. Yeah, well, no. yeah, no, also nothing bumps ever, yeah. but uh, otherwise, although, um, what was some, oh, uh, Engine went ballistic this week, uh, which was because they announced a, basically a partnership with Samsung, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, and um, then as, according to while you were talking about uh, EOS, I went to go look at CoinMarketCap, and of course, EOS is the only, one of the only top 20 coins that's up. In the last seven days, so of course, well, you know, it was ranked the number one blockchain in China, it, so of course yeah. it should go up. So never forget. Oh no, okay, now they're down. It's just in the past twenty four hours, they're up three percent. But yeah, anyway, if there's one thing I've learned, anybody that ever tells me again that markets are efficient can <laughs> just like whatever, bud, <laughs> get out of here, bro. get out of here, because markets are just whatever the hell we make them to be, like. Yep. They are reflections of psychology, my dude. I mean, I get it. There's underlying efficiency. Don't, save the emails. Save the emails. Not hating on free market economy. All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get into the mailbag. Yeah. Crip basic. Flags your Friday. You listen to the mailbag drop where we break down a member's thoughts. Just starting crypto, don't you stop. Keep listening till you hit the spot. Woo! All right. So our mailbag question comes from the bigger boat. He threw it at us in the Discord. So we're going to talk about this. Uh, basically, I, I'm going to mention, I'm going to say what is going on with the mailbag section, by the way. So it's on you guys if you want to get us the questions. And if you don't, I'm going to roast a portfolio, which apparently is not very popular in the community. So the last portfolio I roasted was Vitalik's portfolio, and apparently I'm not that funny. So if you don't want to hear me roasting a portfolio in a very not funny way, you better send us mailbag questions to CryptoBasicPodcast at gmail.com or hit us up in the Discord with a question. So like I was saying, the bigger boat threw in this question. What are your top useful use cases and top useful projects as of February 2019? in the sense that they're providing value to the crypto space just by developing and or don't look like they'll collapse in a strong breeze. <laughs> so, do you do you have anything off the top of your head here? Uh, anything that won't collapse in a strong breeze? Yeah, or just you like what they're developing or and think that it actually might 
do something and make a difference. Uh, yes. Okay. So I'm a fan of what Satoshi Nakamoto is doing over at Bitcoin. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> I've always been a Cardano fan. As far as applicability, I actually kind of like Ontology, which was is why I kind of <sighs> laughed when they my... had that low technology. You know, I was like, I don't know. They seem to be doing great. And I, they, their app is actually kind of useful. I mean, not that I've used it, but when I logged on to do the, the transfer, like what they've designed so far and how they're looking to do it, where you're going to be able to upload ID and their vision from what I remember uh, researching them is I like them. And I don't know, you know, obviously Ethereum has tons of resources, mover advantage. The audience knows I'm really boring when it comes to this stuff. I like the big yeah, guys. I should not ask you this question. I should have just answered. <laughs> or you should have you should have asked me. But I, I actually don't know that Cardano qualifies because even though we like a lot of what they're doing, it's it, it, the the breeze thing. I will tell you that the community sentiment towards Cardano is bad right now. Like when I when I read about them on our cryptocurrency, whenever they come up, it's most it feels just like reading any of the other shit coins. Uh, somebody will say something about Cardano and they'll make a joke. They'll be like, yeah, they don't have anything what? or whatever. <laughs> and Brent, and Charles cares? is running around the globe uh, uh, doing a spirituality mission or whatever he's doing. And they'll they'll like make that joke or whatever. And then uh, and then somebody will come in and defend them, get completely downvoted. And then somebody else will come in and like make fun of them and make a joke. So it looks just like kind of like what happens with Tron. Now we we know that we have you know we believe in that particular person and their ability to no. get it done, and we know why it's taking a long time. But not everybody does that. So no, hold so on a, a second. I want to interfere. Real quick. That is not my position at all. Actually, my position is not that I believe in Charles Huskinson only, and my position is that our Cardano or our Ada. Reddit.com slash forward R ADA is not representative of what's happening over at IOHK. And if you want, well, no, no, I'm also update, I'm talking about our cryptocurrency in general, not not ADA. Obviously, the Cardano subreddit loves him. Yeah, but it's just it's just Redditors. It's just I mean, it's just a social media platform. Let's not elevate it to anything other than what it is. Reddit is made up by a bunch of people who also on a different tab are just using Facebook and all that stuff. And the voting system is valuable, but that really doesn't say anything about the development team. If you want updates, go look at. The I didn't say anything about the development team. I said the community. Yeah, but the, we're the, talking the community about sentiment is going down. I right, my fingers on the pulse, Kareem. Your fingers on the pulse of the community, but what he is asking is what's not going to go in a breeze and the community is fickle, but what's going to be able to last through a strong storm is a solid development team. The community could abandon temporarily somebody, but if the project is still being developed in a professional, you know, thoughtful way, it's going to weather the storm. Maybe, maybe, but if Cardano goes to zero, it's harder. I I don't know. They're not going to go to zero. (laughs) Anyway, whatever. Let's go back to Kareem. Joey forty two forty three said on Reddit. Let's let's that's how that's how we'll yeah. judge Cardano. Joey forty three forty two. Sorry, Joey forty two forty three. Didn't mean to call you out like that. We do respect your privacy, and especially for being our one Wyoming listener. Anyway, uh, if I'm picking some stuff, I'm still picking the the standards that I'm using. Brave, for instance, is and the base contention token one. seems really awesome. And get again, they're 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 centralized, but they're working towards other solutions to go away from that and they're as when i talked to luke we were talking about different partnerships with not uphold and some of our listeners threw us some tips the other day and they went through it was great base attention token seems awesome it seems like a really cool project 
there's a project called Kadena that is not a cryptocurrency really or like decentralized at all, but they were developing a programming language called the Pact, which seemed really cool to me. And I talked with um, with Marie Leaf, who is the, a project lead when we were in Thailand, and she was on one of my panels and uh, she had a lot of awesome things to say about it. But basically, they're developing a code that can be read like it's a sentence. So normal code is like if this then that but you have to do like all kinds of little symbols and stuff like that and syntax these are just like you actually spell it out you say if this happens and this happens and it makes it easier for like a lawyer to look at it or something like that so they can actually understand what's going on so that was kind of cool but what else what else i think is a cool project that could actually do so i still think engine's cool it got brought back to my attention because it was hyped up in the last couple of days, but they have a sweet use case and I like gaming and I like the idea of moving your items from game to game and that kind of thing. So I think they could I end think up that being could really have cool. legs too. It'll be interesting to see how they implement it, but that could definitely have legs. All right. I'm going to use that as a transition to talk about Patreon because $1 an episode from Patreon would be the coolest thing on planet earth because that is how we're keeping the show afloat these days. Patreon is fun. You get a little bit of extra stuff. Sometimes I get the episodes up a little bit early. Like last week, I got Flagship Friday up on Thursday because we recorded Thursday morning and Jason just like busted that thing out instantaneously. So I scheduled it for 6 a.m. to release on Thursday, on Friday. But on Patreon, I threw it up a little bit earlier. And also what we're doing for the Patreons now is you are going to get a non-fungible token on the engine platform that is well it, it i mean it's on the ethereum blockchain but it's going to be an engine token that is an erc 1155 and it's going to be basically say that you are a crypto basic patreon supporter so if you, as soon as you sign up for the patreon the first time that your contribution goes through after the first month if you're on a dollar an episode you will get that a uh, non-fungible token in your address. Just you'll just give us our your Ethereum address. We'll send it on over to you, and it'll be pretty cool. Put it on the blockchain. Put it on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't have any new members to to talk about. I I don't think unless something happened this morning. I just wanted to mention Patreon again is like our cool way of supporting us. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have anybody sign up, but we uh, we do have 19 patrons. And they they have gotten us forty dollars per episode so far. So we're almost broken even on these episodes. They each one costs us about fifty to sixty bucks, depending on if you value our time at zero. Then that's what they cost us. So uh, we're we're hoping Which we do. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the listeners might not know that, so don't tell them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's the that's that's the Patreon rant, and uh, that's it. Yeah. You have anything else you want to? Th- talk about throw in there uh no i think that's it quiet week in politics so nothing to discuss just uh <laughs> say a little goodbye I, okay i don't want to get right, into the politics thing was, at all that wasn't a bait that was but just me trying to be funny the funniest thing i've ever seen is if you go look at the the michael cohen situation he just testified <laughs> oh, you're in front going of into it, huh? there, it no no i you, you probably know where i'm going with this the opposing party the one that is on trump's side if you're not the u.s the republicans they brought a giant poster that put this guy's picture on it and it said liar liar pants on fire (laughs) like they literally used the liar liar pants on fire defense which is what you say when you're six years old 
and somebody says something that you don't like, you stick your fingers in your ears and you go, liar, liar, pants on fire. And that was just used as a political tactic in the United States. That is how (laughs) things have gone here. Yeah, these entire two years have just uh, been a reminder that American politics in general suck. Both sides of the aisle. Congress is broken, but it is what it is. Is your reality broken? Do you wish you could escape to a different world? Well, let me tell you, cryptocurrency is here to extract reality and put it on the <laughs> blockchain. That's what Crypto Basic is here to get your mind off of <laughs> that. You're just dying to use that right. sound. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for a, I was waiting for a place to throw in that womp womp. All right. Anyway, I just want to remind everybody that Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. We are idiots. Please do your own research. Never invest anything more more than you can afford to lose. We're not political analysts either. And uh, join us on Discord. Rate us on iTunes. Follow Crypto Basic Brent on Reddit. I put that in there, really. And uh, that's it. So. We're out. Uh, uh, damn it. I thought I was going to get it in time, but I killed the. Anyway, it's Brent. I've been here with Kareem. And uh, that's it. see you later.